And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by StravaCraft Coffee. Be sure to use the promo code DNVR20 and you will get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich, potentially life-changing Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode of the podcast, uh, I conclude some of my thoughts. Well, I really don't. I should stop saying that. I conclude this part of the conversation on my thoughts about uh, the, the most recent developments between uh, the owners, the players' union, where we're at in terms of the negotiations. And then it, it sort of, for better or for worse, uh, ends up turning into a, a kind of remembrance of the career of Carlos Gonzalez and uh, a conversation about some of the most interesting uh, conversations I've had with guys in the clubhouse and some of my favorite guys to talk to. So it was a whole lot of fun. Uh, throw back a Brecht brew. Make sure you got your 15-can sampler. You got your Strava Craft coffee, your Manscaped, uh, and you're, you're ready for this one. We're going to jump right back into it. Um, and, and Annika, I, I do not know the answer to the question about um, whether or not the information can be subpoenaed under the Freedom of, Infra- uh, Freedom of Information Act or any of that stuff. Um, I do know that, sadly, it seems like, again, you know, twice a decade, Congress has to get involved with MLB owners and they've gotten into it over the minor league player stuff. And of course they've gotten into it over drugs and stuff like that. But it's like, this is a group of people that have like needed to be reined in a bunch of times. So, you know, just, just trust our word for it. Not good enough. Will says he's going to be heading down to the DNVR bar on Saturday. What do you know? I'm actually going to be heading down to the DNVR bar here about an hour from me speaking, but also on Saturday. We're going to have our uh, DNVR gaming NHL, or as the cool kids call it, Chell tournament on Saturday. And then after that, I'm going to head on down to the bar, hang out there with AJ and Rudo, talk hockey, do the thing. We're going to be very very excited to be back in the bar. So if you're there in the sort of late afternoon, early evening time, may run into you, Will. It's always good to see you. And uh, just excited to be back out there in the world. We're doing all the stuff safely. Uh, we're following all the rules. Uh, very, very impressed with Brandon and the way he has uh, handled this whole thing on the way with Little uh, little Pub Company and the way they've handled it, uh, making sure that Everyone and D, D West is walking to the bar now. Fantastic. Um, you know, they're making sure uh, you can feel safe there. If you take this very seriously, um, we're following all the rules. We're keeping people separated. Uh, you know, no paper menus, stuff like that. Uh, everything 
will be safe uh, for you or as safe as it you know reasonably can be. Everyone there is is being mindful of what's going on. And uh, also they've been putting stuff up on the TVs, like the stream that Patrick and I did yesterday of some classic Rockies. We have John Gray versus Jason Jennings, MLB, the show with play-by-play from myself and color commentary from your boy, Patrick Lyons on, I'm going to start crying on in the bar uh, in the DNVR bar. And that just like, I know it's a video game and it's all very silly. Um, and we're all doing what we can with this time. But the idea that, you know, me and my guy calling a game and celebrating baseball and there are people there being people in a sports bar watching it on television. Um, that just kind of blows me away. You know, it, it, uh, yeah, I, I had a real, that was a real moment for me. Um, and Annika asks, if, do I know if there's anything that you can do for the MLB players? And and this is where I can peel back the onion one more layer. And here's what I would say. If if you're inclined to want to help out, um, I, I shouldn't tell you what to do in this regards. I, I would recommend, how about the minor league players as best you can? I, I believe there's an adopt a minor league player program. Uh, I've retweeted it a couple of times. Uh, it's out there on Twitter. I think uh, I don't have it right in front of me. If you search for adopt a minor league player and that's, you know, basically what it is. Um, and so that um, you've got a minor league team in the city. So yeah, maybe look just that. I would highly recommend going that direction um, as much bluster as I think is important to make about what's going on with the major league players and the owners. And as much as, Ultimately, I think it is about the principle of the matter rather than how much money they ultimately ultimately make. There is the, the bottom line human truth that if you've made it to the major leagues, you're okay financially. Uh, as long as you haven't completely blown your money on stupid stuff, you're okay. You, you should be fine. Um, and, you know, if a guy who's making... $9 million has to make $2 million. He's okay. And if the guy who's making $2 million has to make $500,000, he's okay. It's the guy making $400 a week who's now making $0 uh, that I am I am most concerned about. Uh, not just, I mean, you can, uh, I'll be, on a human level, we should all be concerned about them. That's just, first of all, nobody can... Nobody can reach the height of a profession this competitive. $400 a week is absurd. But for that to go down to zero, I mean, these guys were already making barely minimum wage for a regular job. And and now it's just gone. And... You know, a lot of them may have been secure in their path, at least in their next couple of years that they were at least going to stay in pro ball. Though a lot of them don't have an immediate fallback. A lot of them have very young families. A lot of guys in minor league baseball, like there's have like just gotten married and had kids. It's, you know, it's mostly guys in their early, really it's their twenties, really, whether you you've just arrived in minor league baseball or you've kind of become a career minor leaguer probably 20 to 29 years old 
usually the time people start families, have maybe extra bills to pay. And it's just, it's just absolutely brutal. So yeah, I would say check, um, check with the, the team in your area, not with the actual team. They may not know or be able to do anything or, or care, but um, I know there's a adopt a minor leaguer, adopt a minor league baseball player. The first thing that comes up is a, from Royals review. So um, here we go. Here's something from Sports Illustrated that was released here. Um, they're matching players through adopt a minor leaguer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you just go to adoptaminorleaguer.com and and if you have it, you know, and and you, you donate what you can and, and enough people pitch in what they can and some of these guys can be supported and it may end up saving somebody's career. I mean, li- I mean, think about it literally like let's take the situation I've just described. You're 24. You've reached double A. So you've been in professional baseball probably two, maybe three years by now. You're pretty far in your career. Now double A means you're you're starting to really think, hey, the majors could be a possibility for me. Let's assume you're not a top prospect. You're Sam Hilliard. You were taken in the 15th round. You played in Grand Junction and then Asheville and then Lancaster. And now you're in Hartford. Third or fourth year of your professional career, you're in your early 20s. I don't know exactly what Sam's life, um, personal life is now. Let me just ascribe him one. Suddenly, let's say, He's just gotten married and he's got a one-year-old at home. He's 24. He would have been 24, 25 when he was in double A, right? God, I was a 15th round pick. Might not ever make it to the majors, but I'm playing well. My stock is rising. Um, You know, I feel good. I've made it to double A. And then they just stop paying you. Right? Sam was a 15th round pick. He didn't get a signing bonus. They don't have money stashed away somewhere. And we're assuming this before he's made it to the big leagues and shown some promise where the team might take care of him. If he's on the A's right now, two years ago, Sam Hill, you're just, you're you're out. That guy, you know, can he still get in the gym to keep himself in playing shape? Can he keep taking BP to make sure he doesn't lose something in his swing during an extra year where he's just not going to have baseball and he's probably got to get a job of some kind, a full-time job to support his wife and his one-year-old at home that I just made up. This is the reality for thousands of young men out there right now and, and young women who are married to them. And, um, it's scary stuff. And the people responsible for it want you to trust them. I'm sorry. They demand that you trust them. Will, cargo released by the Mariners today. Yep, saw that. Um, In any other circumstance, I'd say, yeah, uh, I'm not sure he's got anything left in the tank. And I'm not surprised if there's going to be a larger taxi squad situation this year uh let me put it this way there's a 30-man roster cargo's not making the rockies 30-man roster and so as much fun as it would be to be like hey bring him back there's a 40-man roster 
and there's like kind of a, a taxi squad situation you could call on a guy and there's going to be a dh in the nl why not why not bring him back let him and if his career is over which if he just got cut from the mariners who are not a good baseball team uh, his career is probably pretty close to done. Let him finish it where it should finish. Let him go out wearing the colors he always looked the best in. The franchise he made his name for. I'm all for it. And I think there's a possibility that with the DH, and like I said, with sort of that taxi squad so if they're playing sort of on backfield somewhere and they're like hey actually cargo looks pretty good can bring him up and have him dh for a couple of games see if he gets hot sure no, i don't want him out there in the field ever i just it's not you know with the rockies outfielder situation he'd be like eighth on the outfielder depth chart or something it, depending on how you count guys like garrett hampson even chris owings can play center field and stuff like that so there's not a need under no circumstances there are a need for the Colorado Rockies to take a flyer, but it's Carlos Gonzalez. Let's again, there is a let's be humans about it. Yes, we all want to do the business thing. We all want to be aware of the business side of the game and not be naive to it. Sure, and make him a special assistant. Whatever happened to the days of the player coach? Is that illegal? Or there can't be there aren't rules against that, right? Didn't Frank Robinson manage a team and hit like 30 home runs for him? What, you know, what do I, I'd, you know, I'm bring Cargo in as a, a special assistant and throw him out there on the backfields as a DH. And if he starts to get hot, go, we're going to activate this guy. <laughs> like there's, I don't think there's a rule against that. Like, again, I, I think the, the possibility they really get a lot of positiveness out of this other than fans being happy he comes back you know pr the pr stuff they would get for bringing cargo back there isn't much to be gained sadly his his back issues just ruined his career ruined a potentially i shouldn't say ruined uh but to, but carlos gonzalez's injuries took a guy who probably should have been a hall of fame baseball player and turned him into more of a cult hero for rockies fans and somebody people remember and appreciate for, you know, being at his best a marvel to watch. But sadly, it's it's just, you know, a, a what might have been story for Cargo. Um, same career arc, says Will, as Raul Mondesi. Yeah, right. Like, there's just like a, oh, he's gonna, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> a lot of that like when he would get hot what was the year 2015 when he had like he had like no home runs for the first or like eight home runs in the first two months and then 40 in the last couple of months yeah herniated bulging discs are not fun and um that was brutal always enjoy talking to carlos gonzalez in uh in the clubhouse really a magnetic and engaging personality um never acted like he was above anybody despite his sort of obvious status in the clubhouse as the man especially in the early days when i was there you know when nolan arenado was a rookie and charlie blackman hadn't quite taken that step to superstar level 
Cargo was the man, and it just wasn't a question. And he just warmed to everybody, always with a good story. Before the game, always in a good mood. After the game, not always in a good mood, but that's to be expected. Never ducked in a media interview one time. And I'll never forget when he was really struggling, when the Rockies were on their way to that 91 win year in 2018, but Cargo was just eating it. And he said, and this has got to be a unique feeling. Not too many people have experienced this. He said, I have been in a moment, the best player in baseball. And I have been in a moment, the worst player in baseball. And right now I am the worst player in baseball. And right at that moment, he probably was. And the introspection that it takes to say that out loud and not in a derogatory, not in a pity me way, not in a, it, he just was being honest. He was sorting through his feelings with, you know, at this point they're, they're kind of in a pennant race. So there's six, seven, eight cameras as opposed to the normal two around him. And there's 20 reporters as opposed to the normal eight of us. And he just went, I, I don't know what to tell you other than when I show up tomorrow, I expect to be the best player in baseball. I'll never forget that. I, and, and, and he had a couple of flashes from there and, you know, and it's mostly been a decline since then, but to recognize that, there were these moments he stood on top of the mountain and he was unbeatable. He was a God among men. You could not get him out. If you made a mistake, he was going to hit it over the wall. And now, you know, he's in the midst of going over 20 and 15 of them are strikeouts. And he's standing there in a clubhouse where there are, at this point, you know, the rosters have probably been expanded. So there's probably 35 guys in there, every single one of whom looks up to him. And he says, right now, I'm the worst player in baseball. But when I arrive at the ballpark tomorrow, I expect to be the best. Everyone in baseball from the players, the managers, to on down to every single baseball fan can learn something from that exchange from Carlos Gonzalez. Annika asked for my favorite Rockies player to interview now, right in the current. Um, there, there are some who are, are favoritist for different reasons. I've, I've, I've got to give you a handful here. Um, Oh, was Cargo? I mean, Cargo was, yeah. I, I think Cargo is a top three all-timer. I think a lot of the reason, because you could get anything from him. Um, you could have a super fun conversation. And I interviewed Cargo about uh, his batting gloves one time. 
And we talked to him about coming up with the Oakland A's and about making his major league debut. Um, but we also heard a story about how um, he would never allow his kid to play for a little league team called the Giants. Um, and why he doesn't think anyone would want to read a book about the story of his life. Uh, so he could be super funny. He also be super informative about the game. After a tough loss, you knew you could get a good quote, but he wasn't going to blow up on you. So for all around, especially if you're like, you're, you're looking for, like, and you could ask him a question, he'd talk for two or three minutes, especially if you asked him a question about one of his teammates. I, I remember one of my favorite ones with Cargo. I was going around with everybody and I was asking him, I was making a list of Nolan Arenado's top plays. And kinds of plays, you know, the barehander running in, going to his left, throwing across his body, dive this, that. What's your favorite type of play? And Cargo just went on and on about the barehanded pickup on the slow roller up the third baseline. Look, I some guys like this play. I remember when we were in this city and Nolan made this play and he was going to his left and he did this thing and he cut Trevor off and I thought Trevor was going to kill him, man. And so Cargo wouldn't just, a lot of guys, and and this is totally fair. Look, it's my job to get a good quote from you. But a lot of guys, you ask one question, they answer it. You know what I mean? You, you know, what's your favorite Nolan Arenado play? Uh, you know, I probably have to say that barehander coming in, throwing the guy out at third, you know, you might get, that's probably your, your typical quote. And you go, great. Thanks. Barehander throwing him out at third and you move on to the next guy. That's a perfectly fine quote, but you ask cargo that question. He punted, he'd, he'd stand back and he'd picture it in his mind and he'd smile and he'd look at you and go, you remember the one a couple of weeks ago, cargo asked me questions about his defensive metrics and how defensive metrics are measured. And and what would need to happen in order for his zone rating to go up? Um, he was just an is just an earnest, curious human being, uh, and, and I I enjoyed every moment that, that I got to to spend speaking with him. So yeah, maybe he is favorite all time. You know, there there are certain guys who I just have a very natural rapport with john gray and i are just similar people just like we we have the similar interests we have just i I think similar ways of kind of looking at the world and and talking and we just have a yeah we 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 just you know i i don't know and and it's probably not good for someone in my position to become friends with any of these people um because i do have to you know write about them objectively and i do have to treat them as such but yeah, John is kind of a little bit of a hippie or a, or a little bit of a free, you know, yeah, just a little bit more. He, he does the ghost hunter thing and he loves comic books and he's putting together like a competitive video game team. This, this guy is my dude. You know what I mean? Like he's a big fan of DNVR gaming, like the whole concept behind it. Um, and and so, uh, you know, even the Grey Wolf stuff and and all of it is just, it's, yeah, and I got along really well with uh, Eddie Butler, you know, people like that. I've known uh, Ryan McMahon and David Dahl now for, for quite a long time and feel like I've developed rapports with those guys. And, and McMahon would be a guy who I think is just a top five interview. Just he's great at doing the interview thing. Um, Dahl is much better one-on-one with me anyway. I think I think the scrums are just 
you know, again, he's, he's less inclined or maybe just doesn't want to do the, the thing I was just describing with, um, cargo, um, where, you know, he just assumed, just answer the question that you asked and then let you move on with your day where you might get a five minute story out of Carlos Gonzalez. You can ask cargo, you know, what do you remember about the walk-off you hit cycle, the walk-off home run for the cycle? And I'm sure he's been asked that question 200, 500 times, somewhere, somewhere in between. But you could ask him that, and he'll he'll talk for five minutes. Um, that's cool that you got to see Doll's debut in in Baltimore. Um, but yeah, you know that it's it's mostly it's a really good group of guys. I've I've had great interviews. I've had some of my favorite interviews actually were with Chad Bettis. Um, two of my standout interviews of all time for me were with Chad Bettis. One where we talked mostly about chess and about how chess and baseball are very similar and about how a pitcher on the mound is playing a long-term chess game and about how there's a lot of extra added layers to that when you're at Coors Field. And that was the the second conversation. I think the most in-depth conversation I've had with anybody about the Coors Field question, the effect, the hangover effect, whatever you might call it, um, was with Chad Bettis. Uh, I was almost shocked at how forthcoming he was. And maybe he knew at the time, because this was right before he left. Maybe he knew, look, I'm probably not coming back to Colorado. I don't think they want me anymore. Might be a free agent. He, he might've known. He probably did. This was, he, he, he was injured. He didn't pitch again. So this conversation we had, he didn't, he has not taken the mound for the Colorado Rockies since we had this talk. Um, absolutely blew my mind. We, we had, we talked for 30 minutes and I'd say 12 of it was recorded and on record and turned into an article. Um, but if I could get dudes to talk to me the way Chad Bettis did in that conversation and trust, let, let's wrap the whole thing back up this way. Let's, let's tie these things back in together and I should wrap this up. Cause I got to head out to the DNVR bar. Uh, and while I'm doing that, I also just want to remind you to drink your Strava craft coffee and your Breck Brew. I'm going to be having several down at the DNVR bar here in a minute. Get yourself manscaped, all that good stuff. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of DraftKings sportsbook stuff this week, so be on the lookout. We're going to do a special thing, uh, get all kinds of betting lines out there for you, uh, KBO, MLB, all sorts of stuff. We're hoping to do some really fun things with the draft, so uh, be on the lookout for all of that. But let's finish up with this thought here. Trust can be very important. Chad Bettis trusted when he spoke to me for 30 minutes that the elements of what he said that if I published them and if a member of the front office of another team read it, they would be able to make a competitive move based upon it. They would be able to say, oh, the Rockies are doing X with their starting pitching when they go out on the road. Let's look for that. And Chad Bettis trusted that I wasn't going to publish that, that that was not the point of our conversation, that the deeper my knowledge of what they're doing is, 
the more I can be on the lookout for what's going on. And the more I can be fair in my analysis of Rocky's pitchers. But he has to trust. He has to believe that I'm not going to go and publish all of the things that one might get like whatever, maybe wouldn't get him in trouble at all. That's not even the only point. Even on his way out the door, that would hurt the Rockies competitively. Please don't. And and guys do say that thing. And it's important that they do. You know, this, this part's off the record. It's sort of the official. And then guys don't, you know, use that terminology. They'll say, please don't write this part. Okay. That's an agreement built on trust. Chad Bettis trusts me more than he does. Maybe not Dick Monfort, but Major League owners as a whole, I promise you. (laughs) Because I didn't demand. That trust was proven over years of us having conversations and me being responsible with what I'd publish or talk about on podcasts like this. And, you know, I... I hope to grow those more and more so that we can dive deeper and deeper into this stuff for all of you for the same reason, to understand it at the deepest level. And those lines of communication need to be regular, constant, and built on ongoing trust on both sides. So that if I go and give a kind of reason for why Chad Bettis maybe didn't pitch as well as he wanted to, I tr- I have to trust him too, that he's not just making excuse- excuses and using me in the media to try to get his next job. I mean, you look at the article I wrote about Chad Bettis. You know, do I think it helped him get his next I do not. But if someone wanted to use it as evidence why he might be worth taking a shot on. They absolutely could. And a lot of it came straight from him. I have to trust, and I do, that those two things aren't related or that 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 was not the purpose of the conversation. Now, if he earned his job, didn't New York pick him up as he would like in the Yankees system right now? Um, You know, through his own numbers and and, and through whatever. I, I don't think Chad Bettis manipulated the media to land a job in the Yankees. And I certainly don't think manipulating DNVR Rockies is going to land you a job with the Yankees. I don't think that was his goal. I think he finds the Coors Field question absolutely fascinating and discovered somebody who also finds the Coors Field question absolutely fascinating and wants to get to the bottom of it. But you have to trust the person. And that's why it comes back to the owners. There isn't a long-standing, believable communication between the two parties here. They're already kind of at each other's throats over accusations of potential collusion in the last couple of years, guys who weren't getting paid in free agency. There's already these issues with minor leaguers not getting paid what they're supposed to, with young players being artificially suppressed while older players have way more leverage than they should be able to on the open market. 
all of this stuff was already a major issue and was already building upon a lack of trust between the players and the owners. And then this happens. What do they do? Demand you trust them. Show me the numbers and I'll believe you. Until then, you have not earned my trust. You've not put in the time to establish that relationship. Show that you will be responsible with that trust and not just use it to further your own ends. No, I don't know business, but I know that world. I know about trust and manipulation and leverage. I'm going to wrap it up there. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into this one. I know it's a little bit intense today. There's a lot going on. Uh, we're going to be doing more and more on-field stuff very soon, I promise you. I can't wait to show you what we've got in store for the draft coverage. It's going to get crazy. Will it be too much? Probably. Are you going to gobble it all up anyway? I think so, because it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Even if you've never cared about the Major League Baseball draft before, stay tuned. Make sure you're following on all the social media. You're subscribing to the DNVR.com. Uh, make sure all the you know the podcast, uh, th- there's a bunch of different feeds, uh, the Denver Sports Podcast, the DNVR Gaming Podcast, all the live stuff. Subscribe to the Twitch so you know when we're going live and you can join the conversation. Otherwise, just get ready for more and more baseball, whether there's a season or not. We're about to kick off a couple of weeks of talking about and looking at and analyzing on-field baseball, looking at guys' fastballs and curveballs and swings and route running. And my God, can you believe it? Baseball. Oh, can you sense the excitement? Uh, I am. I'm very excited. I've been watching so much video. Uh, I can't wait to get into it with uh, Patrick and all of you about these prospects. They're not even prospects yet. They're not, they're, they're pre prospects. They're getting ready to take their first steps. I'm so very excited. So thank you all for joining us. Make sure you're following all the stuff continuing to be absolutely awesome. I promise you I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.